Welcome back to Ether Hour, everybody. I am your host, Conrad Franz, joined as always by Dimitri Kalyagin. This is episode four of our wacky, spooky, esoteric show where we talk about, you know, anything in the orthodox spiritual realm or history or whatever it is that interests us that we think is a good supplement to the weekly World War III coverage that we give you on World War Now. And here we are with episode four. I'm sure you've read the title. It's an exciting one. We're going to be talking about Israel. We're going to be talking about the Holy Land and its history, its recent history in Orthodoxy, as well as some of its, some of the miracles there and some of the current implications on what's going on in the world in the Third World War in the Holy Land and what the Christian persecution there really symbolizes. But Dimitri, how are you? I'm doing very well, Conrad. I'm uh, glad to be here on such an interesting subject matter. You know, on the an entire stream and recording on the Palestinian lands, you know, Jerusalem, its history, as well as how, I guess, over the last 2,000 years, how events have led up to the current reality where uh, Christians are facing almost a renewed wave of persecution from the Israeli authorities. I think we'll discuss most of these matters and um, kind of touch upon all of these sensitive, perhaps interesting subjects, and I hope our listeners enjoy. No, and with that, let's kind of just dive right into it. I'm sure everybody this week saw, whether you're on Twitter, Telegram, even on the news, I saw it on Newsmax, OAN, I think, other of the more independent news stations that still make it onto television. The Israeli state, two very high-ranking, well-respected members of the more ultra-Zionist, ultra-Orthodox wing of the Knesset, which is the Israeli uh, legislature, put forward a bill that would ultimately completely ban Christian proselytism in the Holy Land, including digital, so all videos about Christianity and Jesus and the resurrection would be would be banned. And this caused a big outcry, of course. It's always a big thing, considering I believe the statistic is that white evangelicals have a, like a plus 39 or plus 40 favorability of Jews in Israel, whereas Jews have like a negative 40 or like a negative 39 negative favorability rating feeling towards white evangelicals. And this disconnect always kind of comes to the fore when this issue of proselytism and Christianity in Israel comes up, because whether it's the secular Jews or the Orthodox Jews, both of them aren't really too keen exactly on Christian proselytism. Some of the secular Zionists may kind of put on more of an air of outrage at this kind of thing because they, they don't want to alienate Christians and kind of kind of spill the beans on the fact that they're not the most liberal of, of states, despite their claim as the only democracy in the Middle East. But this was a big deal. A lot of Christians were getting really frustrated. It's a big deal that where Bibi Netanyahu himself, I think, had to disavow it because he knows how dangerous it is if Israel loses some of its patronage from these evangelicals overseas, or even some of the other Christians that have done any sort of touristic investment into into the Christian parts of, of Israel and Palestine and the region. But Remember, this is not actually particularly original. It is already illegal for Christians to proselytize to underage Jews in Israel. And I believe the same actually goes for Arabs and Muslims. So if you are caught spreading the gospel or, or preaching the word of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to someone under the 18 from a Jewish family, you could be facing criminal charges and even jail time in Israel. So I think this is something that while people may say, oh, they didn't actually get passed, well, the fact that it didn't get passed but was proposed shows that it's probably likely in the future and reflects a reality that is already there on the ground. Yeah, so I think primarily the danger of these laws and the danger of an introduction to, you know, a ban on a certain on a certain behavior such as proselytism, you know, missionary work essentially, evangelic, yeah, um, 
evangelicalism, you know, evangelism of the gospel extends to the fact that Orthodox Christians in the Holy Land aren't entirely, because of the broad segregation of society, they're split into Orthodox Christians, um, the local Muslims, mostly Palestinians, and of course some Arabs as well. Uh, of course, visiting um, visiting the uh, Mosque of Omar in uh, on the Temple Mount, as well as the local Jews, there isn't much interaction there and there are even language barriers for example what of the orthodox greeks and russians don't necessarily speak hebrew so there isn't even a potential for them to say engage in proselytism and i would say i guess on a non-legal basis this would be a problem and this would be a certain boundary towards them actually converting some of the local jews as well as local uh, muslims and arabs and palestinians to the orthodox faith but of course if there's a legal boundary now that emerges how does one define the, the term proselytism and uh, evangelism in itself? Would, say, presenting a uh, church procession, which the Orthodox Greeks, of course, really appreciate, and there are so many public processions, especially on feast days and shows of uh, the Orthodox faith, that happen outside of, say, a church, a church grounds where, you know, Orthodox Christians proceed around Mount Tabor or perhaps to the Jordan River where the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ took place. So all of these feast days, they're celebrated sometimes outdoors. And if, an, if a young Orthodox Jewish man, for example, under 18, or a young Orthodox Jewish girl witnesses and participates or even attends such a such a meeting, would that count as proselytism? Again, this is, uh, who is this, who decides upon what proselytism means in this case? Well, the Jewish laws do, the Jewish courts, and the Jewish judges that define the statutes and the, and the, the legislation at hand. So essentially, Israeli common law is going to be incredibly important in that uh, all these various cases and perhaps future prosecutions of Christians proselytizing and evangelizing non-Christian Jews would um, would heavily impact the future of orthodoxy in the Holy Land. And we know from tradition, I think, going back in history and some of the words of the Holy Fathers that Israel will be the ultimate land of martyrdom in the end times because this is the place where the Antichrist will reign at the end of days. So, in a way, this is kind of a prefiguration of that, a sort of sort of calling that, reminding the Orthodox Christians living in the Holy Land that they are simply there. They're you know, even living in this land itself, even though know, this land is ancient and Christian and holy in itself, it is a, it is a burdensome task, and there is always that danger that um, the enemies of Christ will, of course, uh, tempt you and. Probably there is a potential, uh, you know, danger involved in that, and of course, not not just historically, but I guess in real time as well. Now the the Holy Land itself has always been a sort of this very important thing, I guess, in the Christian imagination around the world. Much like Constantin before there was Constantinople in the mind of the Orthodox person, there was there was Jerusalem. Hey everybody, Conrad here. If you enjoyed that, please be sure to subscribe to the paid here on Substack to catch the full episode. Again, we get into stuff that we can't say even on the public on Substack or on YouTube, and it really helps us out when you support us. It's some great content. We've gotten nothing but great feedback. And of course, when you pay, you get access to all the other episodes, the three before this. So yeah, be sure to sign up and gain access to this great content. Thank you so much, and God bless.